Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Velocity Church Podcast. We love to hear about life change in our church. So if you have a story about how Velocity has made a difference in your life, send us an email at amen at findvelocity.org. Now sit back and enjoy today's message. I was actually talking to someone this past week. They were just saying how much they've enjoyed the series and getting to hear from both of us. And they're like, you know, so how does... How does this work? Do you like write everything and you tell her what to say? <laughs> no, that is absolutely not how this works. Um, for those who don't know, I mean, you do your own study, you gather your own thoughts, you write things down. Then I usually come into it with some of my ideas and then we have to figure out a way uh, to put this together and make it work. Mm-hmm. And in so many ways, that's a picture of marriage. We both come into it with our own ideas of how things should work and how they should look. And then you have to figure out what ideas you're gonna leave behind and what ideas contribute to the whole when you're building something. And I wanted to start out by saying that because I definitely uh, don't want people to think that I put you up to this message today. In fact, if anything, uh, what we're gonna talk about today was really your idea. You said, hey, I think we need to talk about this and I think this is the way uh, that we should do it. So before we begin, I do just want to say that this is a PG-13 message. So if there's any kids and you didn't make it to Velocity Kids, you should definitely go there. Um, Or if us talking about intimacy is going to make you feel awkward, um, you should just like find a seat not sitting next to anybody or something like that. But um, we're talking... Just look ahead. You'll be fine. (laughs) We're talking about a commitment in communion today. And when we're talking about communion, we're not talking about the wine and the bread. We are talking about this idea of being joined together and fully known. That, that's what that word means, communion. It, it simply means that we're joined together and fully known. And so when we're talking about it in that context, what we mean is to be joined together spiritually, to be joined together emotionally, in intimacy, spiritually, in a covenant, and physically in the act of sex. And I'm going to talk about all three of these things today. We're going to spend a large amount of time talking about that third one. And I'm just going to tell you, this is either going to be the most offensive sermon you've ever heard or the most awesome sermon you've ever heard. I'm not sure which one. But uh, in setting up, I do believe, can I just tell you, we wouldn't take time on a Sunday morning to talk about this if I didn't believe that what we were gonna share was actually gonna help you. And I think this has the opportunity to be one of the most helpful sermons you've ever heard, so. Yeah, yeah, so we're gonna talk about sex in church there. I mean, it's, it's out there, just take a deep breath. And uh, when it comes to sex, and I feel like I'm gonna say the word sex more you in are. the next 30 seconds you are. than I ever have it's in my entire mind. life in church. But when it comes to sex, we often put sex over here and then we put everything else over here, everything else that has to do with God. And we never let the two uh, intermingle. You know, we think like they have to be in their separate compartments. But when we leave God out of sex, we can never uh, really fulfill what God has created it to be. Because you see, sex is good, and God created sex, but it has been hijacked by our culture. I read a statistic this week while I was preparing, and it said that 80% of teenagers, because Generally, when you learn about sex, you're in your teen years. It said that they're finding it out um, through entertainment, media, and their friends. That means that 
80% of us are learning about sex from the wrong people. And it's not even just saying like you learn about it from bad people mm -hmm. or wrong influences or people that don't care about you. Because see, sometimes even people who love you deeply, they can advise you poorly. Yeah. And so what in, happens is we end up with all of this misinformation and bad information, and then we bring that into our marriages. Yeah. We are bombarded with sex every single day, whether you turn on your TV or you look at social media or you just go out in public. Like, sex is all around us, and the messages that we are getting are all around us. And what happens is we end up with married couples that come into the marriage with the wrong view, an ungodly view of sex. And the problem is, whenever we have a godless view, not only is it dangerous, but it's destructive. But sex in marriage is not something that we need to let our culture dictate. It's not something that you have to be embarrassed about or that you have to be ashamed of, that you have to keep quiet, that you never speak of. You see, God created it. It's beautiful. He gave it to you for pleasure, for fulfillment, for making babies. It is good to have sex. It's fun to have sex. Can you guys say that? Can you say, like, <laughs> someone said amen. Can you say that? Like, let's just all say, like, sex is good, right? Yeah, like, some of is. you are so uptight, you can't even participate. Well, and the point we're trying to make is that we shouldn't be ashamed to talk about mm -hmm. something God wasn't ashamed to create. Yeah. So it's funny, though, as we connect God and sex, just the different reactions people have, because some people, I think, are like really into it, really excited. I want to know what this is about. And then other people, they're on the edge of their seat and they're thinking, this is the most awkward thing. Can we please like, just move on and get I this next 20 minutes over with? <laughs> yeah. And I do just want to say, if this is your first time here, uh, we normally, like this isn't a normal sermon for us. Uh, this is very, hey, this is one out of 52. Okay. But, uh, and any awkwardness you're feeling, just remember my parents listen to the podcasts, right? So I'm not, I'm not asking you to go but through anything. But mine don't. <laughs> That, that I don't have to go through. But the reason we're talking about it is because sex can be one of the greatest blessings in marriage or it can be one of the greatest places of tension. Yeah. And we can't talk about having a healthy marriage and a covenant relationship without approaching the subject. Mm -hmm. So a little bit about me. I'm a church girl. I was raised in church, like heard all the sermons that you could probably imagine. I could probably tell you more sermons than you ever want to hear. But I can guarantee you, I never went to church and heard the pastor say, hey, we're going to talk about doing it today. Like that was never like on the table. And when I got to youth group, we didn't even really talk about sex, except for the one rule, which was don't have sex. You know, like really, that's all you can tell me on this subject. But that was the rule. You don't have sex until you're married. And I'm a rule follower, so I followed that rule. But you know, what I didn't anticipate or think of, like, there's a lot of reasons I made that choice for myself, but I, I wasn't immune to being exposed to things um, in our culture. And what happened was because it was never talked about, I was never taught why you should wait to have sex and what doing that would do for you, I brought in a whole bunch of baggage into our marriage that set up our sex life for some failure. And I don't think your case is special. I think for many of us, if we've, we've already talked about, a lot of us have grown up with misinformation, and then those of us who've grown up in the church, uh, we've only heard one message, which is don't have sex until you're married. And so we come into it with wrong perspectives. And 
I shared this verse last week, but I wanna share it again in a different translation out of Proverbs 29, 18. It says, where there is no vision, people cast off restraint. And you normally wouldn't think of this as a verse about sex or sexuality, but the truth is, if the only way we approach talking about sex in the church as a Christ follower is don't do it, just wait, just wait until your marriage. It's, it's dirty, it's nasty, it's sinful, save it for your marriage. If that's the only way we talk about it without ever offering a preferable alternative, a preferable future, what we can be as restrictive, set whatever boundaries we want, but where there's no vision, people are always gonna cast off that restraint. So when temptation gets high, you're gonna cast off those rules you set in place. So what we wanna do today is really offer you a vision of what is possible in marriage. Mm -hmm. And when you understand that sex was God's idea and he created it, then scriptures like Mark 10 verses six through nine can make sense. It says, but at the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer joint, or no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate it. Do you see? God made it. He made us male and he made us female. He knows our biology, our des desires, our needs, our drives. And that word joined, it's the same word that we're using to describe communion today. It means to be fully known. So the first week we talked about covenant, this week we're talking about communion, being joined together. And what we're trying to get you to see is that it's so much bigger than just a physical joining, so much bigger than that. It's, there's an emotional connection, there's a spiritual connection. And when you recognize that, hey, this, this is not just a physical act, it's bigger than just a thing of pleasure. It was created to bring two people into oneness. Then you understand that, hey, I need to pay attention to what God says about this. In fact, scripture says this, 1 Corinthians 6, verse 16. This is from the message translation. It says, there's more to sex than mere skin on skin. So you're like, man, that's in the Bible? Yeah, the Bible's interesting. You should read it. It, it says, sex is as much a spiritual mystery as a physical fact. As is written in scripture, the two become one. That's why this week, we don't just wanna talk about commitment, we wanna challenge you with a commitment. We wanna challenge you and your commitment in marriage with each other, and we're gonna challenge single people today, but we're gonna challenge you with a commitment in communion for seven days. It's gonna mean different things to different people. If you're married, the challenge is obvious. We're challenging you to a commitment of seven days of intentional intimacy. And all the single people are thinking, that doesn't sound like much of a challenge to me. Well, <laughs> what we're talking about is not just physical intimacy, that's definitely a part of it, but we're talking about intentional intimacy. Why don't you explain a little bit about what we mean? Yeah, and so, Challenge for seven days to be intimate with one another. Now, before we go too much further, I would just say, like, if you're married and you cannot remember the last time you and your spouse had sex, like, you need to have sex every day for the next seven days, okay? Like, you just need to do it because it brings you closer. We're going to tell you as we go through this all the benefits of doing that and why you should do that and 
you maybe the first three days you're just like going through the motions, but then something's going to change come day four, day five, and you're going to see some great fruit from your marriage. But if you are married and you are having a great, healthy, active sex life with one another, then maybe you need to try some other things to bring you close. I mean, that is the ultimate closeness, but how about your spiritual life? You know, do you pray with your spouse? So maybe maybe this week you take some time and say, like, we're going to pray together. Because when you start connecting spiritually, you connect emotionally, and then you connect physically. Or maybe you're going to say, hey, like, we're going to go on a date and leave our cell phones in the car. And then we're going to actually look at each other. And you're going to ask me questions about my day. And I'm going to ask you questions about your day. And we're going to have this thing going back and forth called conversation. Maybe that's something that you do with intimate communion this week. Yeah, so we're talking about seven days of intentional intimacy. I mean, you're going to have to put some thought into this. And when we're talking about this, you might be thinking, well, how is this going to affect my marriage? Whether you're talking about seven days of sex, intentional conversation, maybe you're getting to God's word, you're doing devotions together, you're praying together. Some of you have never done that before in your life. When we're talking about that, how is that going to change uh, my marriage in, in just a week? Well, what we're talking about is connecting with purpose. So as you're connecting with each other, you're going to experience a greater intimacy with each other, but also ultimately greater intimacy with God. And the challenge is for you to have greater intimacy with intentional connection, with communion, one with another. Make it a priority for one full week, for seven straight days. Yeah. And the objective of this seven-day commitment is to move your marriage relationship into exciting new levels of becoming one in flesh, in spirit, and in mind. It's designed to give you a foundation to build on, and it will cause you to reconnect because it challenges you to bring your best. Now, the reason we're saying that this challenge and this message is for everyone is because we believe everybody needs to know the truth behind God's design for intimacy. But if you're single, we have a different challenge for you today. And as we're laying a foundation for what godly intimacy in marriage looks like, I would challenge you to take a full week to be intentional in practicing and developing your intimacy with your Father God. Remember, intimacy just means to be fully known. And so we want you to be intentional about practicing that, spending personal time. And so for some of you, you're going to have to put some more thought into that. For some of you, that might mean you've never done this before, but just for a week, you're waking up early or you're setting aside time or you're, you're not letting anything interrupt this time. Just like we're saying, hey, leave your cell phones, go out on a date. We're saying block out some time and get intentional in your time you're spending with God. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and, the, and here's why I want to do that. It's because as we get intentional about connection, about communion, about practicing this, you're going to see some benefits happen in your life. And we have seven benefits that we want to talk about today, one for each day. And uh, we want to go get into those. So the first thing you're going to find as you get intentional with connection, as you get intentional with this commitment for communion, you're going to find this first one is that it cultivates creativity. It cultivates creativity. Now, chances are some of you are sitting out there thinking, how in the world am I going to keep this exciting for seven days straight? That's the point. All right? It cultivates creativity. You're going to have to bring 
some creativity into it because this isn't about completing a task, isn't about checking something off a list. This is really about loving each other more deeply and in a more significant way, in a more creative way. It's important to be creative both inside and outside of the bedroom because intimacy that happens in the bedroom happens long before you ever get in the bedroom. That's right. You know, before there can be any physical intimacy, there has to be some emotional intimacy. And, you know, like God has a funny sense of humor, I think, because he really made men and women so, so different. Um, I've heard it said, I don't really like this, but you might have heard it said, too, like, like women are like crock pots and men are like microwaves, you know, like when's a man ready for sex? Do you know? Like any time, any place, any position. That's when a man's ready for sex. You laugh because you know it's true. Women, we need a little bit. We need a little bit more time. You know, like we need to know you're thinking about us, that you love us. Men also can take every comment you make and turn it into something sexual. You know, you could say you could be cooking in the kitchen and be like, "Hey, can you stir this pot?" And your husband's like, "I'll stir your pot." Or, you know, like, pass the salt and pepper. I'll give you some salt and pepper. Or my favorite one last night, me. I'm going to go work on my parts. I'll work on your parts. And I picked up my Bible. Mm -hmm. Husbands make life fun. But, you know, like you do, if you want to have great sex with your wife, you have got to start long before the bedroom. You could do something as simple as send them a text. One thing that you're really great at, not just like on days that you want to be close with me, but every day, usually in the morning around 9 o'clock, you'll send me a text that just says like, hey, I love you. You're a great mom. Thanks for, you know, taking care of this for me today or looking forward to seeing you. Just something to let me know that like I'm a part of your world. And that goes a long way. And you also do send me inappropriate emojis sometimes too. Saying great text leads to great sex, so. But the, the point that we're talking about is that intimacy requires intentionality. Mm-hmm. And so as you're approaching this challenge, guys, you might need to work on your approach a little bit. Yeah. You gotta put some thought into it. You gotta get intentional. It might be sending that text message. It might be sending multiple. It might be uh, sending flowers for no reason. It might be writing a note, putting it in the mail because you know your wife goes and checks the mail and she's going to get that note from you. It might be showing up at her place of work and you surprise her with lunch. It might be doing something creative, something out of the box long before you get into the bedroom. It might just be doing the dishes after dinner. It could could be that simple. What we're saying is, man, you've got to work on your approach. Ladies, all you got to do is have an approach. Like, I'm just mean, like, literally have an approach. And the reason I say that is because your husband doesn't want to feel like you're giving yourself to him out of duty. Yeah. You, you need to put a little bit of intentionality into it and saying, I want you. I yeah. desire you. Yeah, I'm in this with you. And, you know, life can be complicated. And so here we've given you this challenge and you're like, but I've got a busy week. Like, we get that. So you need to kind of plan on things are going to be chaotic for you. Maybe that means you have to hire a babysitter. Maybe that means um, instead of you running your kids to their activities all week, you ask some of your friends, like, hey, can you shuffle my kids around? And then bonus, you have the house to yourself for a while. But when your life is chaotic, you have to 
plan for it. You have to put it on the calendar. And I know as you're talking about that, I can already hear some people think like, oh my gosh, that sounds so horrible. Like, I hope my marriage never gets to the point that I have to put sex and intimacy and dating on the calendar. That sounds like, man, that sounds like really, really like routine. Can I just tell you something? You plan for your priorities. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You plan for your priority. You just do. When it's a birthday, I know your birthday is important to you. I don't just say, well, I'm just going to wing it. <laughs> you, you know, like, ever, like, I'll just, yeah. we'll see how you're feeling that day. I'll see how I'm feeling that day. Yeah. We can talk about it that day. You know, I don't know what you want, so we'll just go shopping. We'll buy it online together. You plan he for your priorities. He did that once, and it was a big mistake. For, for, your, <laughs> for your vacation. Even if you like to keep your schedule open, if that's your yeah. mentality, you put those days in, you plan for your vacation. You don't let anything else get into that time slot. Why? Because it's important for you. And I would just say some of you here, you need permission to schedule your intimacy and yeah. your dates. You just needed to hear that that's okay. There's others of you, you actually need to realize and recognize that the reason you don't schedule it and the reason you don't put it on the calendar is because it's not important to you. Yeah. You haven't made it a priority. And I would just tell you, most of the things that are important in my life are part of a routine. Yeah. That doesn't mean they are routine. I read my Bible every day. That doesn't mean I read the same thing every day. I, I go to the gym regularly. That doesn't mean I do the same workout. Why are you laughing at that? <laughs> that was so rude. I'm just, <laughs> I said regularly, not every day, okay? I'm being honest in church. I'm saying, the, the things that are important to me, I make part of a routine. Yeah. And maybe, maybe just maybe the reason when you have sex, if it feels routine, it's because you don't have any routine. Yeah. You don't have any regularity. You don't have any yeah. rhythm. And I would just say, you know, like, if you have it on your calendar that, like, it's Wow Wow Wednesday, like, when you wake up on Wednesday, like, you're expecting it. You're anticipating. You're ready for Wow Wow Wednesday. Yeah, don't egg her on. She's got a lot of those. So, anyway... <laughs> Throwdown Thursday, Freaky Friday. <laughs> so know, even Jesus has a Sabbath. <laughs> so you, this is going to cultivate creativity, but it's also going to optimize potential. Yeah, you know, marriage is a mirror, and we look at our spouse and we can see the best and the worst of ourselves through them. Your marriage is a mirror of you, and your sexual intimacy is a mirror of your marriage. It's a reflection of your closeness as a couple. And the marriage that lacks commitment and intimacy, it's headed for trouble. The closer that I get to Justin, the more I see my good and I see my bad. And we need to allow intimacy to lead us to a place of grace. But what do you do when one of you is in the mood and the other one is not. Do you just wait till you're both in the mood? Here's the thing, if you wait till you're both in the mood, you're gonna have sex twice a year. That's, I'm, like, it's gonna be your anniversary and his birthday. Because guys aren't even into Valentine's Day, so you know that's out. So I'm, I'm just saying, you can't wait till you're both in the mood. In marriage, it's really all about unselfishness. Let me read you another scripture. Uh, 1 Corinthians 7.5 says, do not deprive each other of sexual relations unless you both agree to refrain from sexual intimacy for a limited time. So as believers, we're first of all submitted to God, but then we submit our bodies to one another. And I like this verse because in one translation, it actually says, 
Do not deprive yourselves. We don't even think about that sometimes, that when we're withholding from the other person, we're actually robbing ourselves of something that God has for us. Now, why does God have it for us? Look at the next part of that verse. It says, so you can give yourselves more completely to prayer. In other words, sexual fulfillment in marriage is really part of seeking God. It's part of your discipleship. It's part of your prayer life. Now, don't go home and say, hey, I think we need to have some discipleship. That's just wrong. All right. But what I'm saying is it's about improving your relationship with God. And one of the ways yeah. it improves your relationship with God is it nurtures forgiveness. That's right. You can't hold a grudge when you keep getting close with your spouse. And here's one of the things that I think is the best thing about this challenge and to remember this in your marriage that it postures you to be kind to one another as the Bible tells us to. In Ephesians 4.32, that verse says, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, even as God also in Christ forgave you. When you and your spouse have a commitment to intimacy, there's no getting around forgiveness. Mm -hmm. You have to deal with issues and put them aside so you can continue to show affection for one another. And if you've been married for a while, you know that sometimes, you know, not all of your issues are resolved before you go to bed. When that happens, what's more important than the unresolved issues is your commitment to each other. And when you say, I do, you aren't saying a conditional commitment. Because if you had settled every issue, because you hadn't settled every issue, but If this was the case, if you waited until everything was in perfect harmony and you were feeling good and all of your feelings were okay, like, you would rarely have sex. Like, sometimes it's okay to have angry sex. (laughs) Okay, this is getting way too personal. Um, But here's what I would tell you. It not only nurtures It makes you less angry is what I'm trying to say. She's saying it's hard to hold a grudge when when you're coming close. Yes. Okay, I'm glad I could clean that up for you. But... (laughs) See, it not only it nurtures <laughs> forgiveness, it also neutralizes temptation. Yes. And here's the thing. Temptation is all about getting us off of our purpose. It's about getting us off of God's plan and God's mm-hmm. call for our life. And when you have a commitment to intimacy, it keeps you accountable to each other mm-hmm. as husband and wife. So being intentional with your intimacy, it meets a very real physical need yeah. that all of us have. It makes us less vulnerable to the temptation stuff that is so prevalent and is so far out there. And just a simple way of putting it is when you're getting busy at home, you're less likely to be tempted and looking for it somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And I would just say this is one of the things I appreciate about you because, I mean, even just this last year, my travel has picked up a ton and not even just this year, but any time that I'd have to travel with work, even before uh, I was a pastor, you always made sure that, hey, just because I'm a pastor doesn't mean that I'm immune from temptation. So you would make sure that I know what I'm leaving behind. And we're not just talking sexually. You would write me notes. You'd put it in my, in my suitcase. And also because you want me thinking about, hey, I have something good at home. And there's something to look forward to yeah. when I get home. That's what we're talking about when we're talking about neutralizing temptation. So anytime you pull back, you put a distance from yourself and your spouse, you're opening up the door for the enemy to be at work. And I know somebody to be like, well, 
okay, that's great for you guys, but pastor, you don't know my situation. You don't know what my spouse has done. You don't know how they've betrayed me. You don't know how they've let me down. Mm -hmm. You don't know how I've been hurt. You don't know how dead things are. You're right, we don't know any of that stuff. But here's what I do know. I know that nothing is too big for God and I know nothing is too small for God. And I yeah. know that even in hurt situations, even in dead situations, yeah. God can resurrect that, God can restore that, God can heal that. And this part of your relationship plays a huge part in that. Yeah, and you know, it also emphasizes trust. The amount of sexual activity a couple has is uh, definitely a barometer reading of their marriage. And in order to have regular sex, you have to both bring your best. You have to have kindness and concern and courtesy for one another's needs. You have to build that trust that you are safe with me. I am safe with you. I mean, when you think about it, in order to have intimacy, you have to get naked. But I'm not talking about just physical intimacy. Think about emotional intimacy, yeah. spiritual intimacy. What does that mean when you're naked? You're getting vulnerable. So what you're doing as, as you're making intimacy intentional, you're creating opportunities for you to be vulnerable. You're saying, hey, if I can trust you in this area where, where there's parts of me that I don't let anybody else see, if I can trust you with this area, I can trust you with these other areas, I can trust you with my feelings. I can trust you with my hopes for the future. I can trust you with my insecurities about myself. I can trust you with the doubts I have about today. Mm -hmm. And I can trust you with that and share that with you without fear of condemnation or judgment mm -hmm. because we're vulnerable. Yeah. In, this, in your commitment this week, you're going to experience new opportunities to be open and to be vulnerable with your spouse. And you'll experience the strength that develops from that. This challenge is also going to help you complete purpose. One of the most famous verses describing God's purpose in marriage is found in Genesis 2.24, and it says, that's why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife. They become one flesh. So God created sex for bond, um, to bond with one another. He created it for recreation. He created it for procreation. He wants married couples to enjoy their sexuality. But I want, what I want you to notice is that it doesn't say you shall be one flesh. It says you shall become one flesh. It's the becoming part that's so challenging. So that, that's why sex between a man and a woman is something that's holy. Mm -hmm. Because every time you share in this gift, what you're doing is you're renewing your covenant vows. You're fulfilling you're completing God's purpose for your marriage. You're mm -hmm. saying, I belong to you. You belong to me. We're one flesh yeah. in the eyes of God. Not only is this fun, but it's intensely spiritual. Mm -hmm. And that's why God created it. You can't take God out of sex. He created it. He's the author of it. He has a purpose behind it, and it has to do with your covenant with one another. That's why for those of you that aren't married yet, but hope to be one day or have the opportunity to be one day, I, I wanna challenge you with something. And admittedly, what I'm gonna say to you is really, really weird. But what I'm gonna say to you is really strange. You don't hear it. It's, it's anti-cultural, it's counter-cultural. But can I just tell you, if you want normal, because when I look around and see normal, it's hurt, it's betrayal, it's adultery, yeah. it's divorce. 
That's what normal is. So if you want normal, you can do what everybody else is doing. But if you don't want normal, you have to be weird. And what I would tell you, those of you who aren't married yet, I would challenge you to wait to share the gift of sex until you're married. This is something Marissa and I did. We waited and we waited and we waited three years, people. (laughs) We dated for, for three years. We waited to share this gift with one another. Some of you are thinking, how is that even possible? Is that even possible? I would tell you, with God, yeah. all things are possible. Yeah. And one of the reasons I believe we have a solid foundation is because we made this commitment to one another. And can I just tell you, when you talk about having commitment in your marriage, this is one of the ways you can show and demonstrate commitment in your relationship before you get married. You're saying, hey, I value you so much, I'm gonna honor you with this commitment. And when we get married, it's till death do us part. This isn't just what I wanna give into in the moment. I'm gonna honor you with this. That's good preaching, buddy. Thank you. Buddy. Here's the thing, like like sometimes people say, well, you know, how do do I know if we're compatible or not? I just wanna know if we're compatible. Can I tell you, your marriage isn't going to work because yeah. you're compatible. Man, you're on Your marriage is going to work yeah. because you're committed. Yes. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't be compatible. You should be compatible. You should marry somebody yeah. that has mm-hmm. common goals and dreams and visions, hopes for the future, all of that. I'm just saying that if the only foundation of your marriage is compatibility, yeah. then the moment you have a disagreement, which we all know is going to happen yep. because we talked about conflict last week, then your marriage is going to crumble because there's no commitment. Right. Okay. So it's, um, I know it's easy for us to say this, you know, and be like, oh, no ringy, no dingy. Like, get it. That's easy for us to say. Yes, I did just say that. And living it is a whole nother thing. And you might think, you know, if God didn't want me to have these feelings, like, why would he give them? Why wouldn't he just take them away from me until I was married? Well, the greatest thing, the greatest gift that God has given you is choice. Yeah. And it can't be love if you don't choose it. Good. And Say God, can't, it can't be love if you don't choose it. Yeah. And God so can't help you in this area of purity if you don't choose it. Yeah. So and that brings us to this last one, and it's this. It teaches selflessness. Marriage is all about being unselfish. It's about the other person. It's easy to look at the faults of someone else and not see your own. But in marriage, we have to put our spouse's needs above our own. We can't let a point system dictate our marriage. Marriage is about fulfilling the needs and serving the needs of the other. And one of the most ministering things that a woman can do for her husband is to be available. And I don't mean just be available, but be involved in your sex life. So just for sake of everybody here, what do you mean when you say that? Don't just be available, Mm -hmm. but be involved. I mean, it's one thing like, you know, you could be like, hey, do you want to have sex tonight? And if I really don't want to, I could just be like, yeah, whatever. Like, yes, I'm fulfilling it, but I'm not involved with it. I'm not excited about it. And so one of the, like, changing points uh, for our marriage is back early on in starting the church, we had three kids. Two of them were 17 months apart. So we were, like, knee-deep in babies. We were knee-deep in church planting. You were also 
bivocational, so that means you were working another job. Like, you were just gone a lot. So we weren't seeing each other. We weren't connecting. We weren't talking. And days and days and days and weeks had just gone by. And one day, I finally just said to you, like, I feel like, I feel like we're not on the same page together. We're not together. And you said something like, well, I feel like, you know, like, we just, we haven't had sex in a while. And I'm like, I don't want to have sex with someone that I'm not even talking to. And you said, I don't want to talk to someone that I'm not having sex with. And it clicked for me. That is not, that is not how it, like, I said yeah, that Can wrong. we, like, like, please change that? <laughs> okay, we're going to, like, edit this out. <laughs> what I meant to of our say <laughs> was... My emotion, it's like me withholding sex from you is like you not talking to me for a few days. Like the, the, the strain that I'm feeling, the pressure that I'm feeling, the distance that I'm feeling of not talking to you for a few days, it's the same that you're feeling in us not coming together and having sex. I think the point we're trying to make here is we're not talking to you out of something we haven't experienced mm -hmm. during this time. We both loved each other. Right. We were serving God. We had kids. I would say we were committed in our relationship to one another. We were just busy. But we were so busy. And it really happened out of this conversation. I felt like she wasn't meeting my needs. She felt like I wasn't meeting her needs. Mm -hmm. And it was this recognition that, okay, one of us is going to have to be unselfish in right. this regard. And I'm glad it was you. So, <laughs> but no, I'm just kidding. That's not really the way it went down. But a little bit, but I'm, 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 we have to be unselfish. All right, so. <laughs> but, to, but to review, hey, we, we gotta wrap up. Here, here's what I wanna tell you. Why is this a priority? You have to have intentional connection because when you do, it cultivates creativity. Mm -hmm. It optimizes your potential. It nurtures forgiveness. It neutralizes temptation. It emphasizes trust. It completes God's purpose and it teaches selflessness. You gotta make it a priority to connect in your marriage. Mm -hmm. And you think about what Jesus did for us. God's model of marriage isn't 50-50, what we were just talking about. Well, I'll do that when you meet my needs. It's 100-100. It's regardless of whether you meet my needs, I'm gonna meet yours. Mm -hmm. Regardless of how I'm feeling, I'm gonna own up to my responsibility. The reason we can do that is because that's what Christ modeled for us. He says that Christ loved us, he demonstrated his love by dying for us while we were still sinners, yeah. while we were still a long ways off from God, while we were still afar off, he said, I'm gonna give you all of me, 100%. I'm gonna lay down my life for you. Yeah. That's what we need to do in our marriage, and that's what we need to do when we make a commitment in this area.